Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Are you doing well today? God is good? Amen. Hey, listen, uh, I asked Will this morning when he was doing prayer, I said, what do you remember, Pastor Collins? And, uh, you know, um, it's just a crazy time. You know, you don't, I will say this from a pastor's perspective, you're trying your best to lead through this era, and it is just, you know, you're kind of darned if you do and darned if you don't type of thing. And, um, and so we do the best that we can. We certainly don't want any of our people getting sick. And yet we know there's that possibility. And, of course, we know there's a possibility if you go to a Little League game or you go to Walmart or you go somewhere. I mean, it's just, it's just part of what we're living in right now. And we certainly don't want anyone to get sick. And at the same token, you know, we certainly want to gather and worship. And, uh, and so it's just a, an incredible, interesting era, to say the least. But we pray for Pastor John. He's my friend. We pray for his wife. We pray for the church. Reached out to him the other day by text and said, if you need anything, give us a yell. All right? So, okay. Um, the other thing I want to show you, though, I asked Troy to bring up is, man, we're, I'm really excited about some of the stuff that's happening over at the right place for kids. It is really, you know, God has blessed us this past year. And um, one of the things that we're going to launch, we actually could open up right now, probably will within the next week or so. But pull it up, Troy, or whoever. This, this is what is going to be on the second floor over at the right place for kids. I show it to you just again so you know about it. It's called Elite Performance um, it is a baseball and softball training facility, 10,700 square feet. We have five cages in there. We have three pitching mounds in there. We actually have a fielding area where we have a little league field striped in there for fielding. And you say, well, why are you doing something like that, Pastor? Because I like baseball. No. <laughs> no. We're doing it for four reasons. There's four reasons. We do it, first of all, because... I have always said, and I still believe this with all my heart, I believe that particularly in some of our neighborhoods in the city that are less underserved, that there is talent that goes undiscovered. So the first thing we want to do is we want to discover. We want to discover talent. We want to discover things that are in kids, whatever facet of life it might be. The second thing we want to do is once we discover it, we want to develop it. Okay? We want to develop them to all they can be in whatever field that might be. We've got much more dreams than just baseball, but there's a number of other things. The third thing we want to do through it is disciple. We want to create godly men and women who are followers of Jesus Christ, all right? We want to disciple them. We want to mentor. We want to give them life skills. We want to give them the ability to, to become men and women of God. And then the fourth thing is, we, uh, fourth D is dream. We want them to dream, okay? How many of you know that kids need to dream? How many know adults need to dream? Right, I would suggest we should never stop dreaming. Okay, and so I want to tell you about the number four. The number four is in there in um, honor of Jamie and Don Folk's daughter, Michaela, who was tragically killed a number of years ago, and they have been a part of this, and that number is in there for um, honoring her, okay? And, um, and then so we thought, well, let's come up with four things as well. And so, um, you know, there are times in life where it deals you something that, You'd rather it didn't deal you, but then out of it, you do something good. Amen? And so that's why we do this. And so anyhow, I just wanted you to see it. We just developed the logo this week. Pastor Troy's been working on it and um, so excited about it. Would you pray for it? Pray for us to give us direction on how to do it. It's going to be so cool. Amen? All right. Turn with me in your Bible. The Bible. I'm going to talk God today. I'm going to talk like a preacher today. God. <laughs> let, me tell you this, let me tell you about this restaurant. Um, Yeah, 
<laughs> Listen, people have been telling my mother stuff for years. It ain't done a bit of good, brother. No. I, I want to talk to you this morning. Last week I did a message and we talked about, um, you know, the throne, the, God, the, the throne room. And we talked about how, as I was looking in Revelation, that the culture and the atmosphere of the throne room should be the atmosphere of this temple. This, that, that, that this temple of the Holy Spirit should be a place of worship. It should be a place of humility. It should be a place of praise. It should be a place that gives glory. In the atmosphere of the throne room, because sometimes we forget that God is indeed on the throne. But one of the things that I have been pondering a bit lately, and I don't want to make, like I don't like blanket statements. I don't like when people say, wow, the church this and the church that. And I'm so tired right now of people blaming the state of the country on the church. I would suggest this to you. Where would the world be without the kingdom of God people? Where would the world be without the kingdom of God people that have a morality that comes from the throne, that should have a character and so forth? Where would it be? Anarchy, lawlessness, allow the evil one? I am so tired of hearing people bash the church like it's the reason that things are like they are. Can I suggest to you that we've never been in the majority ever in the history of the world? Look at it, scripturally. Now, am I saying that there's no blemishes in the church? Of course not. Am I saying there aren't any failures within the church? Of course not. Am I suggesting that we haven't failed in some ways? Of course not. At the same token, it's the best thing going. I'm just going to tell you the way it is, okay? And let me tell you what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me that Jesus is the one who's cleansing her and making her whole, and he's the one doing a work in her. Amen. So don't get me started on this because I have a message all designed for this. Someday I'm going to preach it. But I have to curse to preach it. So anyhow, okay. (laughs) You're saying, what is he talking about? You don't want to know. But one of the things that I kind of have observed, or at least in my opinion, is that sometimes our churches today have at times lost this sense of Majesty, wonder, glory, awesomeness of God. That, that, this, this awe-filling, room-filling, majestic, holy presence of a holy God. We, we do real good at singing sometimes about his works and about what he does and about his love and all that's well. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But I think sometimes... We as the people of God have to remember that he, man, he is God. He is so majestic. He is so wonderful. He is so, he's so above everything in our life. He's so above everything in our life that we are caught up in his glory. We are caught up in his majesty. We are caught up in his wonder. We are caught up in his awesomeness that, that none of our life circumstances can diminish. That we would have a John moment where we recognize this awesomeness of God that causes us to fall on our face. We have an Ezekiel moment. We have an Isaiah moment that says, woe is me, I've seen the Lord. I've seen his glory. I've seen his majesty. I've seen his holiness. Because this, after all, is that not who our God is? Thank you. (laughs) It was a question, really. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning. I got a message, and I want to talk about this word. He is holy. Now, the minute we hear holy, a lot of times we go to, okay, I'm holy, and I do this, I do this, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I do this, and, and okay? 
Scrap that for right now, all right? Just scrap that. I want to I read your scripture. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 99. Psalm 99, okay? And I'm, I have it on the screen, but what I'm going to do for a moment, I was just up here reading this before, while we were in worship, and um, I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. I'll have it on a different one in, on the screen, but let me just read this to you. Just, just listen to this. Yahweh is king over all. Everyone trembles in awe before him. He rolls enthroned between the wings of the cherubim. Let the earth shake and quake in wonder before him. When is the last time you shook in the presence of your God? When is the last time has his awesomeness and his majesty caused you to tremble and shake in his presence? For he is great and glorious in the midst of his people. He is exalted above all. Let everyone praise this breathtaking God, for he is holy. A lover of justice is our mighty king. He is right in all of his ways. He insists on being fair to all, promoting true justice and righteousness in Jacob. So everyone, exalt the Lord our God. Face down before his glory throne, for he is great and holy. God has his praying priests like Moses, Aaron, and Samuel, who all interceded asking God for help. God heard their cries and came to their rescue. He spoke to them from a pillar of clouds, and they followed his instructions, doing everything he told them. God, the great forgiver, answered their prayers. Yet he would punish them when they went astray. Keep exalting the Lord our God, face down before his glory throne, for he is great and holy. Let us capture, if you, if you haven't, let, it your, let yourself capture this vision of this majestic, breathtaking God. If you had it once and you don't, recapture it in your heart. Let me go and I'll, I'll begin to read this from the other version right now. It says, the Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth Shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He's exalted above all the people. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. That word holy, it means to be distinct, sacred, set apart, above. All right? When God took the priest and he said, you shall be holy. When he took Israel, he said, you shall be a holy nation to me. It meant you will be a separated, you will be set apart, you will be consecrated. I have taken you apart for a sacred purpose, okay? Now, let's talk about this for a moment. So the, the, the writer of the psalm says, the Lord reigns, let the people tremble. You see, we got to understand something this morning. Because God is holy, how many know his reign is holy? Do you understand this morning that God's reign is not like any reign upon the face of the earth? We have kings in this earth. We have presidents in this earth. We've got rulers on this earth. And yet there is a reign that is God's that is separate and distinct from this world. That it is not consumed in this world. It is not contained by this world. It is not contaminated by this world. There, he is holy. And because he is holy, God's reign is holy. Right? And i got to tell you, because he is holy, his reign shall never cease. How many know God doesn't come on and off the throne? Right? I mean, no, he's not on the throne when good things happen and off the throne when bad things happen. He's not on the throne 
when your president wins and your president doesn't. He's not on the throne and off the throne dependent upon situations and circumstances in this world, right? Uh, Despite who wins the White House, I got to tell you, God is still on the throne and God still reigns. Despite, I'm telling you, that, that study I did when I went through the hundreds and hundreds of years of history in the life of Israel, his people, 415 years Judah had kings in the Bible, And out of that 415 years, there was 150 years of evil kings that were in authority, and God still reigned. There were 265 years of righteous kings, and God still reigned. Amen? And the point of the matter is, even, and and listen to me, don't confuse the fact that he still reigns, that everything that happens on earth is still his will. Okay? Because remember something, because his reign is holy, he still reigns when you and I fail to do his will. I mean, no, he's still God. He's still holy. He still reigns. He's still king. And yet, and despite the fact that God is king, how many know I can say no? But it does not diminish his reign. It does not diminish his reign a bit. Now, if I was king, I'm just telling you how it would be if I was king. You all do what I say to do all the time, and there would be no if ands, or buts about it. There would be no free will. I'm boss. You're not. (laughs) I I tell Carson sometimes, because let me tell you about Carson. Carson is a leader. She's going to be a leader. And sometimes Carson's little leadership ability has a negative side. (laughs) All right? And and, and let me tell you something, because your your faults, my faults, our kids' faults are usually strengths gone awry. Okay? And so sometimes I have to tell them, baby girl, listen to me. I'm the boss. There's one word, I've a new phrase lately. There's one word I'm looking for. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? She goes, that's right. Say it. Okay. <laughs> There's one word I'm looking for. Okay. You see, I would be the despot on the throne. But God, in his glory, majesty, infinite wisdom, love, because free will is an expression of love. The greatest expression of love ever given to humanity was free will. And yet, because his reign is holy, he still reigns even when we fail to do his will. Even when your children fail to do your will and his will, he still reigns. He has not failed you. Scripture says, let the people shake. He's enthroned above the cherubim. He's exalted above the people. Hmm. Because he is holy, he is above the people. Now think about this. Because he's holy, God is set apart from humanity Because his essence is divine, not human. God is not the superman. God is not the ultimate man. God is, in of himself, divine. His essence is divine. His nature is divine. Everything about him is divine. He is not founded upon in in our humanity. How many know this morning that we worship a God who is not like us? Who is above us? How many know we become like him? Amen? But listen to me. His, His essence is divine. We are worshiping the divine creator of the heavens and the earth, right? Now, here's what I love about that. God is holy, and because he's holy, he's set apart. But here's what I love about this incredible God we serve. Because he is a holy God, he is holy, God is apart from the people, but not aloof. Aren't you glad he's not aloof? I'm going to go this side and try. Aren't you glad he's not aloof? 
I mean, he's not nearly as aloof as you all are. Right? That God is, while he is set apart, he is high, he is love, he is distinct in this world, he's all of that. The fact of the matter is, he's not aloof from us. As a matter of fact, he is so willing to work and be a part of us, the Bible says he puts his spirit in us. Whoa, that is a God that's not aloof. And yet he's not, a, but yet he is apart from the people. He is above the people. Okay, uh, because he's holy, God is distinct from this world. But he's not distant. Aren't you glad he's not distant? God's not distant. Have you ever met people who are distant? Aren't they fun to be around? You know? Like, oh, come over to my house. Okay, and they sit in the corner. I want to talk to you. Right? Let me tell you what. I, I, was, I went, went to the races last night in Bedford. Jamie and I took a walk around the pit. We walked around the pit. I hope this guy's not watching, by the way. <laughs> so we met this guy. He came up and shook my hand. And I don't know him from Adam. He's from Newville, PA. So, so I'm just talking to him. And my, what a nice man. Loved Jesus. Talked about going to church. And I said, well, I'm back. I said, where do you go to church? He said, I go to such and such. I said, you know Pastor Jeff Kettering at the AG church. He said, I don't go to his church, but he's one of my customers at my garage. I said, well, make sure he pays you. Okay. But then, like, there wasn't a distant bone in his body. I know every quartet he has sung with and sung in since 1937. <laughs> and, and, and guess what happened? I'm talking to him. I'm engaged with him. Nice man. Jamie just walks over there and lets me alone with him all the time. He became distant. I wasn't distant. Right? But how I many know sometimes we treat God like, like he's distant? God's not distant from us. He has no desire to be distant. He is distinct, but he is not distant. Okay? I, I, I just love my God for that. That I know that you're above this world. I know that you're above me. I know that you're apart from me, but you don't have a desire to be distant from me. Right? Because he is holy, God is separate from this world, but he's not separated from the world. Right? I love this God. He's holy. Because he's holy, God is the author of creation, but he exists outside of creation. We know he's not a creature. He's the creator, but he's not a creature. How many know we're the creature? How many know we're the new creation in Christ? Right? When you look at this, the, the psalmist is saying, let me tell you about this God. Let me tell you about him. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He's enthroned. He's exalted above the people. And because of that, holy is his name. Praise your God. Right? And then it goes on. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity, fairness. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. What does the psalmist say? Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Holy is he. I got to looking at the description. I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is, what is the psalmist saying? You see, at first it talked about where he's enthroned and it talked about all that. Okay, I'm trying to up here preach. I'm trying to give you the word of God. And I get this thing from my personal assailant, assistant, Karen Marr. And it's, it's, it's the lion from this uh, Wizard of Oz. And it's a, one of those little gifts. And it's a, if I were king, him singing the song, I were king. 
Go ahead, I dare you to text me. <laughs> and Malachi, last week you were making me into a bear. I'm up here preaching, he's taking a picture of me, and he puts a bear head on my shoulders. I'm trying to think, is that how I'm viewed by the children? It, okay, because God is holy, right? God's strength is not of this world, and it is above this world, right? The psalmist is talking about, the psalmist says, the strength of the Lord loves justice. It loves fairness. It loves equity. You, you see, because he's holy, God's justice is above this world. I got to tell you something. The fact of the matter is, in our world, when world powers get into authority, generally speaking, there is an injustice that happens to somewhere. There is an injustice almost always that comes with those who have a thirst and a hunger and a quest for worldly power. It almost creates this injustice, right? But God's authority, God's strength, God's justice is not of this world. God's justice is above this world. So here's what I got to tell you. In this world, there are times in your life that you may face injustice. Anybody ever faced injustice? And when you face injustice, how do we get through this world? How many know we have a hope and we have a belief that one day we shall see the justice of God? But let me say it to you this way. Because we live in the world where there is a temporary ruler and a temporary authority, the prince of the power of the air, how many know that means injustice can be in the world? But listen to me. But who are we? We are people who are in the kingdom of God. And, God, and in God's kingdom, in God's domain, there is always perfect justice. I'm not saying you will always face perfect justice in the world. What I'm saying is in God's kingdom, there is always perfect justice inside of his kingdom. And how many know this morning that one day, that kingdom, the kingdoms of this world, will become the kingdoms of our God? And there will be a perfect justice. Even now, for those in the kingdom, his justice to them is perfect, all right? Because he is holy, separate, distinct, above, all right? His strength always works justice within the realm of his kingdom, right? You can't get away from that. Now he goes on to the priests. As Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. Talking about the great heroes in Israel's past. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from a pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. Our Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, yet an avenger of their evil deeds. You got to love God. He says, what? I'll forgive you, but I'm also going to discipline you. I'll forgive you, but when you walk around and awry, I'm going to discipline you. Because I mean, no discipline is an act of love. Discipline is not an act of anger. Discipline is not an act of evil. Discipline is an act of love. You discipline your children because you love your children, right? Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God. So watch this. Now, here I am. Here Moses, Samuel, Aaron. All the heroes of the faith walking in this world. I mean, we are like them walking in this world, living in this world. And as I live in this world as one of his priests, as one of his priestly sons that Jesus made us, how I many know because of that, that as I walk in this world, 
Because he is holy and separate and distinct from this world, I call on his name. I call on his name. How many ever call on him? Good. Some of you can start today. There's a reason he may not be answering you. You might not be calling. Right? Come on. He, we call on him. What does it look like? It is me, the one, walking in this world, calling upon the one who is distinct, separate, and above, set apart from this world, who then answers me. You see, we call on the one who is above, set apart, and distinct from this world while we live in this world, and when we call, he answers. How many of you have ever had an answer from God? Come on. Right? That you've called on him, and he's answered you, and he's helped you, and he's strengthened you, and he's encouraged you, and he's worked on your behalf, and he's given favor to you. That's why you can go through a heartache and heartbreak, and you call on him, and he comforts you when you mourn, and he binds you up, and he binds up the brokenhearted. That's why you're encouraged whenever you're facing trial and tragedy and tribulation and hardship. That's why you call on him when the IRS says you owe him $23,000. <laughs> Talk about an adversary. I'm going to pray they give you a refund of $23,000. i am going to pray they got the, the plus and the minus. That way you can tithe. Okay. <laughs> on, on it. No, 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 wait, wait. Let me, let, me, let me quantify that so you can tithe on it. On it. Because, brother, you're a giver. All right? Listen to me. You see, when you call, there's a Bible promise that says the answers. And the one who's answering me is the one who's above it all. The one who is holy and set apart. Now, because he's holy, his Bible says he gives his statutes. He gives direction. Right? How many know this morning you can get direction from God that comes from above this world so that you can walk in this world successfully? Do you understand this morning that there are things that come down from the throne of God, a holy God, to you that makes no sense in the eyes of the world or the ways of the world? It doesn't make sense that a man would tithe to the world. You mean you give how much away? To God? For what? It makes no sense sometimes that when you have a need, Randy Bracken, you give out of that need, and God all of a sudden blesses that step of faith. Right? It makes, there, there are things he gives down and says, this makes no sense to the world, but what I am giving you is separate and distinct and holy because it's coming from a holy God. Right? His directions are holy. Okay, and, and, and there's all kinds of them. Like even, even when Jesus said, <laughs> turn the other cheek. Ugh. Even when the dude calls the police to get his bee box back. <laughs> like, just, like, and you, wanna, you, you, you just want to gut him. Like, I just want to punch you. And then Rick's got to say, take the high road, brother. Aren't you glad we have brothers? Right? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Oh. See, the directives are divine. The directives are holy. Because the only thing that can come from God is that which is holy. God can't give an unholy direction. 
because that's his essence and that's his nature. Isn't that awesome? And then when you walk according to a holy divine directive, you are walking separated and holy away from this world. Because he's holy, he forgives and he disciplines with perfection. He's perfect. <laughs> I gotta tell you a story. Where we're right yesterday, we're painting. Okay? So glad my mother in law's not on live stream. Okay. <laughs> and she, she she calls Tony and she gets her on the phone. Tony has her on speaker because we're painting. Okay? Tony, I just wanted to ask you a question. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question. I want to know where did you learn to parent like you do? Like, I, I watched you with the kids, and I watched you whenever, you know, like you had to tell Carson and da, 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 and this, and you did it so nicely and gently and all this, and I see how Carson nurtures Liam. She must not have seen the other stuff. Anyhow, okay? And, all that, and so she's going on and on. I'm in the, I'm in the background. <laughs> tell her your dad. <laughs> tell her your dad. <laughs> Well, Grandma, I got I had good parents. Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> Don't you take this home, Linda? What happens in church stays in church. If you take that, if you take that home to your sister, I'm going to exile you from the church. <laughs> right? And I'm never tell your parents did it, okay? Right? And so anyhow, I'm then I'm going like, oh yeah, tell her the times you threatened to kill him. <laughs> It, but, but, but see, we understand what it is to be a parent who forgives and disciplines, but we certainly don't do it with perfection. And yet God brings these two attributes out of his holiness, where he forgives and he disciplines. If you don't have a God that disciplines, you don't have a God that loves you. He forgives because he loves, but he disciplines because he loves so, so it, 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 the psalmist, and I'm, I'm sending up the things that he does out of his holiness, that he's separate and he's distinct and he's above. And what does that mean for, like, how do we react to that? Well, the psalmist says this, all the peoples tremble. Because he is holy, the people tremble. Like, and how many know there's two ways you're going to tremble in the presence of God? I, I read a quote, I looked up for a Charles Spurgeon, said this, saints quiver with devout emotion, and sinners quiver, whoa, what was that? Quiver with terror when the role of Jehovah is fully perceived and felt. You see, there's a, there's a how many of you know that as a believer in the presence of a holy God, there is a trembling that comes over, there is a shaking, there is a terror, but it's a different terror than those who are gonna be judged by that same holiness. John fell. Ezekiel fell. Isaiah said, woe is me. There's this response. Another quote. Men of the world ridiculed the Quakers. I mean, that's, they got the name Quaker because they quaked in the presence of God. And how many know if you quaked in the presence of God, you get made fun of? Right? They get, okay, men of the world made fun and ridiculed the Quakers for trembling. When under the power of a Holy Spirit had they been able to discern the majesty of the eternal, they would have quaked also. Got that twice. You see, I believe there's a place and there's still a time 
for the people of God, even in 2020, to tremble in the presence of a holy God. That we bring back, I don't say, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, but we would ensure or we make sure that the majesty and holy and splendor and holiness and grandeur of God is still in the house. You see, because he is holy, the people praise his name. You see, and that means to give thanks. That means to lift up. That means all these things. You see, but I would suggest this this morning. We're good at praising him for what he does. But I suggest this morning that before we praise him for what he does, we should praise him for who he is, for all that he does is because of who he is. All that he does is a reflection of who he is. And, has he, and if he never did a thing, we still praise him because of who he is. Because he is holy, we exalt the Lord our God. We exalt him, lift, revere, prop him up, promote him. In a, in a day of social media narcissism, ugh, ugh. In case you didn't see it over here. I am so fed up and sick and tired of self-promoting narcissistic behavior in the body of Christ. It sickens me. All right, I feel better. Every once in a while, I have to take a therapeutic approach to things. Look at me. Look at me. Look how great I am. Oh, I did this today. I did that today. Oh, my, look how good I am. Let me put a filter on because I don't want to show people the real pace. Man, I'm always amazed at the difference between the night and the morning. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand it. Some people go, some people go to bed as Princess Fiona and get up as Shrek. I don't get it. <laughs> oh. We exalt our God. Everything we do and everything we say should be pointing at our God, our holy God. Bible says, the psalmist says that we worship at his footstool. <laughs> Interesting. The Bible talks three places about the footstool. One of those is that the footstool was in reference to the ark of the covenant, the manifest presence of God. It was in the holy place. Another place that was mentioned and used as an illustration was the city of Jerusalem, where God is going to one day roll and reign from. And the other was the earth, the Lord. I looked at that and thought, isn't it interesting? Where do I worship him? I worship him in all three places. I worship him. I worship him in two predominant places. I worship him in his presence, in his holy place, and I worship him in the earth. Because how many know the earth is his and the fullness thereof? Worship. That word means to bow. Because he is holy, we bow before him. And you'll never bow your body until you bow your heart. Hardest thing to bow is our heart over our body. You see, because he is holy, we worship him at his footstool. Not because of what he did. Thank God for what he does. 
And where would we be without what he does? But what he does flows from who he is. And our worship needs to be centered on who he is, not just what he does. Because we are, he is holy, we humble ourselves before him. I thought of this. Come on, Troy. I love to give that life-breathing statement every week. I just feel like Jesus, when he called Lazarus for us, Lazarus, come forth. Come on, Troy. <laughs> we humble ourselves because he's holy. Sir, madam, you better learn to humble yourself before a mighty God. You see, because I really believe this, worship is often grounded in humility that recognizes greatness. I'll go take Pastor Troy golfing. I'm really great. Now, let me help you play this. Where are you going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> Do you think I have a plan? Do I look like a man with a plan? No. Okay. You see, when Troy and I go out and golf, which we only did once this year. I'm great compared to him. And he's humbled in my greatness. <laughs> but if I go with my friend Ryan Dalbaggio, who I did beat once, he will probably beat me because he's a better golfer than me. Okay? And then I'm humbled in his greatness. All right? You, you see, there's humility that flows out of a recognition of greatness. Right? And, and for us, there should be a humility that flows out of us, that flows into worship, because we, the inferior, have recognized the superior, and we have recognized that he is great and greatly to be praised, and he demands my humility, he demands my worship, and I need to fall on my face and worship my God. But no, no, no. Instead, we have come to the place where we think it's okay and we use excuses like, I'm just not emotional. Oh, shut up, you are too. You're just not emotional about your God. Because somewhere, you think you're dignified. Oh, man, Pastor, you're starting to really meddle now. I know. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is great. He is high and lifted up. His train does fill the temple. And I don't care how great you are in this world. And I don't care what you have. And I don't care what you think you are. You are inferior to that God. Humility will cause a holy God to embrace you. Your pride will cause him to reject you. We've got to bring the majesty and the glory and the splendor and the greatness and the pageantry back to the house of God where we sense the presence of a holy God in our midst that causes us to bow and we're not content singing platitudes. We're not content with putting God on a clock. We're not content. He is holy. He is good. He is great. 
You see, the Bible says because he's holy, we're holy. Hmm. What does that mean to be holy? It means that I am set apart from this world. That I am distinct from this world, even though I live in this world. I am consecrated. I am sacred. I am a priest of God. I'm a son of God. Before we can be holy, we must recognize his holiness. Before we can be holy, we have to recognize the source of holiness. You see, if we're attempting to be holy without a recognition of his holiness, we will attempt it through our own measure of holiness. Then we will make it about what I wear, what I don't wear, where I go, where I don't go. Whether I wear makeup or don't wear makeup. We'll make it about a lot of things that are man-made. And a man-driven holiness rather than being a God-driven holiness. You see, I was thinking this morning, I love the church, but I want the church to come back in a measure to the grandeur to the splendor, to the majesty. That when his saints come together in the house, when his saints come together in the house, there is a sense of a holy God. There is a sense of his majesty and his, pa- his pageantry. There's a sense of his holiness. There's a sense of his righteousness. There's a sense of his reign upon the throne that causes us to exalt him, to give thanksgiving, to praise, to bow, to worship, to humble ourselves and give him everything we got. He is holy. You see, the church is often good at singing, seeing, seeing him as the good, good father that we sing. But he's only the good, good father because he is first the Lord who is holy. He is good, good father because he's the Lord who is holy. Everything that he is flows out of who he is. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is separate. He is distinct. He is above but not aloof. He is distinct, but he is not distant. Call on him and he will answer. He will give you strength. He will give you justice. He will give you fairness. He will answer you. He will forgive you. He will direct you. He will discipline you. But my question is, will you recognize his greatness? Will you recognize the superior? Will you worship at his footstool? I can promise you this much. We'll never be in his presence one day for real and be looking at our cell phones. <laughs> Trust me, I'm guilty too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what am I saying to the church this morning? Let us not lose the greatness, the glory. Whatever words you can use, the majesty, 
the splendor, the holiness of our God that demands a response from a holy people, a response of praise, a response of thanksgiving, a response of humility that gives worship. I have no idea what you're going to sing. But sing something about God. This is not a place that we come to just to hear self-help preaching. I can't give you self-help preaching because I can't self-help myself. Amen, Karen? Don't send me a text. I'll read it. What I can do is tell you about my God. What I can do is tell you about how great my God. What I can do is tell you how holy it is. What I can do, I can do that. And what we can do is say, God, oh God, I recognize who you are. The saints of God have come to praise. The saints of God have gathered to worship. The saints of God have gathered to humble themselves before a holy God. Because if the footstool is in his presence and the earth is his footstool, I would suggest before we'll do it out there, we better do it in here. What are you going to play? Nah. I want to go back to last week's song. I want to go back to last week's song. I want to sing from the throne room, holy, holy, holy. Revelation song. Seventeen years he's put up with me. Eighteen. <laughs> but who's counting? people put up with me longer than Pastor Chris and my wife. <laughs> church! Church! And the cry from our lips is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is your name. Holy is your name, God. Holy, God. No matter what else has gone on in my life, holy, holy, Come on, church, stand with me. Stand with me. Come on, stand with me. Bow yourself in humility. Worship him out of a spirit of humility. Worship him at his footstool. He is high and lifted up, and his train still fills the temple. He is high and lifted up. He is holy, holy. I can't say it enough this morning. He is above but not aloof. He is distinct but not different. He is separated but not separate from you. My God is holy.